0: Jamie and I'm Portia. We are just two pearls. Join us for Adventures in Pearl.
1: A reflection from Polly Murray. This society is not hospitable to persons of color, women we're left-handed
0: people. Mm. Amen. I love Paulie Murray. So Jamie, in light of our larger conversation today about a film that many of us have seen, I hope we've seen, because if you haven't seen it, well, we're talking about it today, get out. So one wonderful Tuesday morning, we had a staff meeting at the church that um, was a little uh, eventful. It went on way longer than it, what it was supposed to. And so people shared their opinions, and you know, it is what it is. Granted, be, contrary to what people believe, churches are not perfect. We go through things like everybody else. This is one of those moments that I was stretched, um, just in terms of learning what it means to pastor and what it means to be a supervisor in a church staff, knowing that there is a multitude of perspectives. And how do we best hear people? And how do we best um, find solutions knowing that people are have different perspectives and different personalities? And so I was challenged on this a little bit. Um, but I worked through it. We worked through it together as a team. And so that was an adventure in itself because it wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. But that's just part one. So the solution, one of the solutions that, uh, that brought us together was realizing that we needed some fellowship time. And so immediately from that staff meeting, we walked out and we went to the movies and we saw Get Out as a staff. Okay. So granted, I had already seen it, but someone um, brought it up saying, have y'all seen Get Out? And they just started talking about the sunken place. But no one else in the room knew what the sunken place was. And so it was like, ding, ding. Well, maybe we should all go see this film because we all need to be able to understand what this person is talking about. And so we made it a staff outing, which was actually a lot of fun. And so it was relaxed, it was cool, it was chill until the film started. (laughs) And then people were like, oh, my God, am I going to be scared? And I'm like, no, you'll be fine. Um, Because, you know, that's just how I'm I'm like, yeah, you'll be fine. Like, you'll get over it. Um, And so it was interesting just to watch my coworkers be afraid or really excited or, you know, just how they interact with each other outside of the space. And so um, I'm learning different ways of how to engage a staff, whether in and out of the conference room. So, not just in the walls of the church, but understand that we're people and we do need to build relationships and that relationships are important. So, um, that's a little bit of what um, I learned. Uh, and it's surrounded the movie Get Out, which we're going to talk about today, guys. So, I'm going to pass it over to Jamie. Jamie, set us up for today.
1: Okay, that's quite an adventure. I know, right? And you have a, <laughs> how
0: big is your staff? Well, well currently, or at the time that at the time
1: of the incident
0: (laughs) at the time of the alleged incident um so (laughs) at the time we were a staff uh well yeah okay so we were a staff of five (laughs) at the time okay yeah at the time okay yeah all right which was a hurdle at the time
1: okay cool I thought you were talking about like 20 people
0: okay
1: all right all right all right Just wanted wanted to, like, you know, set the scene for everybody. It used to be once
0: upon a time, but that's a whole other conversation. All
1: right. Just wanted to set the scene, how many people Portia was taking to the movies, for real. It wasn't (laughs) like you were taking, you know,
0: 25 people to the movies. Well, not necessarily me, but the senior pastor kind of took us. Like, it was kind of like, aha, Portia has an idea. But then it was kind of like, okay, so he actually flipped the bill. So I appreciate him. Oh, well, Amen. (laughs) So he technically took us All to right. the movies.
1: All right. So you told your senior pastor, pull out your wallet. We need some bonding time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I offered and he was just kind of like, no, nah, I got it. I'm like, oh, I will let you have it. Hey, right. Amen.
1: Amen. Bless us <laughs> in mean, this get moment. I these
0: post-seminary pockets. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. <laughs>
1: um, so we're going to move on to a discussion of the film Get Out. Yeah. And Portia just made some allusions to it, but I think we'll go deeper into it, um, into uh, maybe the plot and some of the stuff that happens in the movie um, during our show today. Yep. Not too much of the plot, but uh, just enough. But enough. So that we can discuss it. Um, and we hope, since this show is airing in May, we hope that by now you have seen the movie. And if you haven't seen the movie, feel free to pause us, go watch the movie, and then feel free to return to us so that you can join our discussion.
0: And please see it, because it's one of the highest grossing films at a rapid rate, and it's directed and um, produced by a black man. So go see it if you haven't. Please, thanks.
1: (laughs) So um, I originally learned about Get Out because my dad and I went to go see Fences on Christmas, and that was Mm -hmm. when I initially saw the trailer. And so we're sitting in there and I'm, um, you know, before you go, you know, the previews of when you go see one of the films, the previews are usually kind of in the vein of the film that you're about to see. As in they
0: were all black.
1: So everything was real black. Yep. Uh, and of course, my dad is sitting there rolling his eyes, you know, because, it, you know, that one movie, is that a Queen Latifah movie or something where the women are like real like over oh, the top? Oh, it's, like it's like a girl party or something. And, you know, he wasn't really here for this language and everything that was happening. And, you know, some of these things are awkward to watch next to your dad, even when you're in your 20s. It's still like, mm, I don't know if I want to sit next to dad because it really was kind of funny to me. But I could tell based on the expression of it on his face that it was not at all funny to him. So I'm like,
0: I had that <laughs> same moment with my pastor when that thing came on. And he says to me, oh, I bet you're going to go see that. I said, Oh, you know, I am. <laughs>
1: Anyway, so all of the films um, that they were previewing before Fences of course are supposed to be like black films right Right. and so we're sitting there and the preview for Get Out comes on and we're like hey where does that fit we're like okay so it must be a black film you Mm -hmm. know because we see Allison Williams and she's doing whatever she's doing and then we see this black male actor and he's doing whatever he's doing and we're like okay so this has to be a black film but we just don't we, we aren't quite sure well, we know that next time we do a father-daughter movie outing, it's probably what we should go see, but we ain't quite sure what's really going on. But we right. know it's black because they're showing it in the black preview section. <laughs> so that was the first indication, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, it took me a few weeks after it came out to actually go see it, and I saw people posting on social media things about the sunken place, which you referred to, and I saw memes and that sort of thing. And so I was like, okay. So I feel like I really need to go see this. So somehow Mm -hmm. either I called my dad or he called me and they were coming to see me in March. And I was like, okay, so here's how this is going to go down. On Saturday morning, my mother and I are going to Zumba. Then we're going to drop her wherever she wants to be dropped off. And then you and me or no. Oh, yeah. And while we're in Zumba, you're going to make all the necessary repairs to my car. My car needed some help. (laughs) That's what dads, you know, dads. Hey, Cora. God bless dads. I'm, and then I'm going to grab you and mm-hmm. we're going to go to the movies and we're going to see Get Out because I keep hearing all this stuff and we really have to go see it. So you saw it with your dad? I saw it with my dad. Guess
0: what? I saw the first time I saw Get Out, I saw it with my dad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we have a reoccurring theme here with seeing these films with our dads. <laughs> my yeah. mother's not really like a movie person like that, mm-hmm. but it was really interesting because when we got back from the theater, back to the hotel, I was like, you
0: really should have come. To see that, like, that was really deep. I tried to explain it to my mom, too, and she was just like, yeah, no, I'm good.
1: Right, and that's <laughs> what they say, and then I'm like, you ain't good, though. You right. You really do need to come, go see the movie. Okay, so I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but basically the, the plot of the movie is that this young black man named Chris, he's 26 years old, and he's a photographer who's living in, it appears to be, New York City. And he actually has a really nice apartment. Very nice apartment. So we also need to talk about who is Chris. Because I was mad, confused. I'm like, dude, you're twenty-six, you a photographer. Dan is a photographer. So maybe he can explain. Maybe he got all the, you know, the like cash stored somewhere. But Chris clearly, uh, right. Chris clearly had some. And some he money. has a dog. And, and, he had and a poodle. I know
0: I know what that's like having a dog. And that dog's ain't cheap. So he had that a dog nice, isn't
1: cheap. It wasn't like he nice had a apartment. rescue dog.
0: Right. He had a nice apartment with this nice dog. And it's just like, okay, Chris, well, where you live? Right. With nice decor. Beautiful decor. Hmm. And he
1: had really good skin. Anyway, we'll talk about this later. <laughs> um, okay, so we will talk about in a moment who is Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, because apparently he's like right about our age, living right. in New York City, making that money. As a photographer. photographer ring. <laughs> And we don't know him. No. All right. But anyway, so there's Chris. And um, as we learn very quickly in the movie, Chris has a white girlfriend yep. um, played by Allison Williams, and she's going to take him to see her family. They live in Connecticut. So I also want to talk about that because we are, we record in Connecticut. Uh. Uh, we live in <laughs> Connecticut and we work in Connecticut. Um, and so she takes him to Connecticut to see her family. And we learn that um he... She has not told them that he is black, but that she knows her family will be cool about it. And so he takes off in the car with her. Clearly, he does not know how to drive. That's something else that we learned because she's driving him. He didn't but then at the to. end of the movie, he was driving. <laughs> anyway, it was it was interesting. Um, so clearly, he doesn't have a driver's license. We learned that he has a state ID pretty soon. Um, mhm. Yeah. See, get my clues. Yes. Anyway, so um, he rides in the car with her. And he leaves the dog, the very nice poodle, in the care of his friend Rod. Uh, Ron Rodney. Rod. 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 In the care of his friend Rod, um, who is a black TSA agent. Right. right. bestie works for TSA. And Rod was definitely more of a black man I've met before. Yes. I was like, okay, I know who Rod is. Rod makes a lot of sense to me. Yep. Chris makes less sense to me. Mm Mm-hmm. I know that he is a black man who occurs in the world, Mm -hmm. but I personally don't think I know him. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Well, I think Chris is a, is, is a person who I think I have interacted with before. Like someone who's like kind of like made it out of certain situations. But I think about like who Chris was in his past in terms of like where his his upbringing, like some of his like emotional trauma and all that other stuff that happens in the film. Like, I feel like he's just kind of like one of those started from the bottom. Now I'm here. But not to say that he was literally at the bottom, but I just think, like, he was one of those persons who just kind of, like, brought himself up, you know, pulled himself up by his bootstraps and then just kind of self-made. Does that make sense? Like but like he won't self-made. tell the story. No.
1: Um, which is interesting because I do think, you're right, when I think about some popular black people, like, I want, I want to name, like, Omarosa Manigault, for example, Ooh, who one. says that she's had this very tough life and this tough, a tough upbringing but we don't really know what that story is. And now we see her and she clearly like rolls deep with a lot of non-black people. That's
0: like people who don't look like
1: us. <laughs> right. Um, and people who definitely they aren't even they're not in our tax bracket. Like no. just like a very different. Completely she's living different. a very different life from where she describes vaguely. Yes. That she came from. So maybe Chris falls into that kind of world. But anyway, um, to finish the plot quickly. They get to the family home in Connecticut. It's kind of wooded. The family has these um, these black servants, which is kind of, and the black servants kind of seem devoid of any kind of um affect. There you go. Yeah. Um, and uh, they also hit a deer on the way there, which has some significance. Um, and they show up to the house and dad's acting all cool. Like, oh yeah, if Obama could have gotten a third term, I would have voted for him. And it's like, all right, dad, right you're doing the most. <laughs> right. His dad is a, the, the dad is a surgeon. Um, the brother shows up. He's real creepy. The mom is a therapist and she wants to hypnotize, um, Chris to get him to stop smoking And then the story kind of goes downhill from there.
0: Oh, way downhill.
1: (laughs) (laughs) From the moment he sits in that psychologist, in that white woman psychologist chair, things start going downhill quickly.
0: Very quickly. The entire
1: Omarosa thing he had going on was destroyed in like 30 seconds in that woman's therapist chair. 30 seconds
0: in a teacup. He was in the sunken place. Right. Gone.
1: All right. So let's break it down when yep. you initially um saw this movie yep uh the first time
0: or you can even talk about the second time with the staff um what was your reaction oh my gosh this is amazing um <laughs> that was my reaction was like wow so I kind of looked at it from like a writer's perspective when I saw it the first time not even so much as like a, a patron of the movie but just like I'm I want to write and I'm just thinking about like story and so watching like the different symbol like the symbolism and just what things were being alluded to. I was like, wow, like this is incredible. Um, and so I looked at it as a great piece of writing, a great story. And so that was my initial reaction. But then my second thought was, wow, like everyone needs to see this. Like if they haven't seen it, they need to see it. Um, and I just said to myself like, wow, like this is scary in a very psychodramatic way because this could actually happen. Um, even though it's, it's scary to think that there are people who could be, you know, kidnapping and hijacking, um, men and women. Cause there are hi- uh, kidnapping women, but just to think like there are people who are like luring people into situations and actually like trying to like do what they did in the movie to people. And that's kind of like, wow. But then I also thought about like the cultural, um, like there's this, this need to culturally brainwash people. I was like, right. what are you doing? Mm-hmm. um, then it had me thinking about interracial, interracial relationships. Right. I was, my brain was all over the place. I right. could go on and on about this film. Right. So my mind jumped to a gazillion places on the first go around. And then I want to get on Facebook and read all the commentaries. Right. All the commentaries. And there are some good commentaries out there. Right. And we'll mm-hmm. talk about
1: some of those in a second. Um, but I know that initially my reaction was, I'm, um, you know, I know we both studied quite a bit of African-American history. mm mm-hmm. And it definitely takes you back to some of those classes because of just the way that he's able to piece together our past and our present. Yeah. So it seems like a very present tense story, but it's telling this past story, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Of what it looks like, you know, it almost hit me as almost like a reconstruction type story or a late, you know, 1860s type story um, of black people searching for freedom and trusting the wrong people.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: um, I'm... Also reminded me of the movie 12 Years a Slave because Mm -hmm. I felt like that was a really similar circumstance in a different time, but a very similar circumstance where, you know, he is this free black man. Right. Mm -hmm. And he trusts the wrong white people. I'm not saying that, you know, none of the white people are trustworthy, but he trusts the wrong white people. Right. He's drinking with the wrong white people. Right. And they put him where they want him. Right. Right. Um, And uh, that loss of freedom, I think, is so... It's so easy to lose that freedom. Right. Um, And, yeah, so it really reminded me of our past meets our present. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I was also wondering, um, you know, what does it look like when, because we know about how much money that film made. We know that plenty of non-black people went to go see it. Mm -hmm. And so I was wondering, you know, what are their thoughts when they're in the theater? Because what I saw was a scathing critique of liberal, white liberalism. And I also saw a critique of white feminism. Um, And I'm not convinced that it was necessarily a critique of interracial dating, but it definitely raises some questions about
0: interracial Mm. dating. I don't
1: think it was necessarily a critique, but it raises some questions.
0: Mm. Um, Yeah. So That's interesting that you brought that up because I actually as you were speaking I would think about wow like I didn't actually read anything from the white perspective like what Mm -hmm. white people think of this and i didn't even think it didn't dawn on me that oh yeah white people went to support this thing and I wonder now that you're asking that question like I wonder what do they think Um, then that there's that other side of me is like well I don't really know if I care to know how they feel (laughs) Um, I mean, I'm just gonna keep it real. It's like, but I, don't I think know. they were
1: seeing a different movie than what they we were, were seeing
0: a very different movie, and I mean, because they have a very different human experience.
1: And what was really brilliant do. about what Jordan Peel did was that he made the movie accessible to any audience. Yes, right. And that was what confused my dad and I when we saw it in the theater because we were like, clearly, this is supposed to be an accessible film. Like, it's not like that that girl, that girl trip, or whatever that we saw. That's clearly like marketed toward a black woman, right? right. Um, it was marketed toward a broad audience, and he so brilliantly did psychological thriller and horror, which we know that broad audiences like those two genres, right? While also incorporating this, like, really heavy black male critique of white liberalism. And right. he managed to do both of those things, where I can imagine if I was seeing it as um, a white woman instead of a black woman where I might have just gotten caught up in the, oh, you know, this is unbelievable, right? And, you know, and I think that's the thing. I think they see it, and they're like, oh, it's unbelievable. It's just entertainment. And mm-hmm. we see it, and we're like, wow, that's a
0: real experience. This is real experience,
1: life. Yeah. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and uh, briefly, before we move into some of these articles, um, I know that as a black woman who has been living in Connecticut you're from Connecticut so mm-hmm. I'm interested to hear your perspective too but mm-hmm. as a black woman who's been living in Connecticut I'm you know it's so interesting because I'm you know I'm not from the deep south but I'm from um, a part of the country where we really treat it like us versus them um, so the southerners have this certain perspective on race and interracial relationships but the Northerners, you know, they're all free and open and they wanted all the black people to be free and like, you know, whatever. Like it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a historical lie, but it's, it's what they teach us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that the South was enslaving all the black folks and all the white people wanted them and welcomed them with open arms and that sort of thing. And the Yankees will save you. The Yankees will be nice to you, right? And so coming north, which I did as soon as I went to college, I came north and I was shocked by the racism that I experienced being a student in Boston. Um, what I experienced being a student in New Haven, um, and what I experienced in the mostly white spaces of you know towns like Westport, which is a neighboring town for you, um, West Haven, which is where I serve in ministry, um, and it's this kind of is this veiled racism, but like things in the north, like redlining, which I learned about when I came up here, the way the neighborhoods are divided to keep black and brown people out of certain neighborhoods, and and you know. Uh, they don't even do, like, in the South, we just do white flight. Like, the white people will just blatantly be like, oh, we're going to leave. Mm-hmm. But in the North, the way that the communities, you just won't sell that property to black people, right? Um, and, you know, some of the veiled racist ideas um, that are veiled as well-meaning and well-intended. Mm-hmm. Um, things like what some of the stuff the father said to Chris in the movie. It's like, yep, I've heard that. I know what that means, That's coded language. I'm... Um, And, you know, so I could really relate to that idea of coming out of a more, not that I'm from an urban area, but, you know, New York was, you know, it's a little bit more of an urban area. There's more diversity. You can meet all sorts of people in New York. And then all of a sudden he goes into this very white space, which reminded me of like a Westport or a Greenwich or even a West Hartford. He goes into that space and it's just like, whoa, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm. So yes, yeah, so I could really relate to it just as a black person who's come into this space with very different expectations mm-hmm. um, than is the reality. And then even the people there, like in the movie, it was it was very clear that the white family, I mean, they were doing something crazy. But at the same time, they really, like the way that they talked to the black people was really in a way that could be caring. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like they were like, let's go out and be racist. Like they thought that somehow they were doing crisp and his fellow black people some sort of favor because, you know, their bodies were so genetically superior. Right. But we're just trying to, we're just trying to help you out. Like, we're just trying to help you out. Like you ain't, you ain't helping nobody. Um, (laughs) but there is that idea. Like, we'll bring you up here. We'll clean you up. We'll help you out. Um, that's just a false, it's false.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, girl. (laughs) Mm, 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 mm. My, my, my.
1: In particular, I guess we should just talk about a couple elements of the movie and um, expect you guys just to go see it, and you guys can engage us and let us know what you think. Um, but several people, like Portia said, have written think pieces um, about this movie, and I, I I have a couple of them. But I think maybe what we should focus on um, is perhaps the way that... Well, we'll let's focus on two things. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the way that black women appear or don't appear in this movie, mm-hmm. and then let's also talk about... Um, the, the concept of black people in therapy, which I think is like pretty, is a like we said, it's a turning point in this movie, mm-hmm. um, the way that she psychoanalyzes his right. past. Right. So let's talk about, maybe we should talk about black women first. Okay. Um, there's a few articles that maybe you guys want to look at. Um, and a lot of these articles, like Portia said, are just on Facebook pretty easily, or you can like go on Medium or something like that. Yep. Um, so there's this one called the most overlooked and underrated characters in Get Out are black women. Mm -hmm. And this one is by B. Willis. And then there's another one by Kendra James. Did I print it out? And it's called um, Get Out Perfectly Captures the Terrifying Truth About White Women. Mm -hmm. But let's focus on, I guess we can focus on black women first. Um, I left feeling like, okay, this is definitely a black male perspective on what's going on, which I completely, like, appreciate and needs to be heard. And, like... We can we could definitely see a dozen more movies like that, yeah, um, but there was something interesting going on with black women in the film. How did you experience black women, like especially Georgina? Well <laughs> you know
0: at first, right, before we knew what was really going on, um just in general, it was just kind of like, okay, um, what's up with this black woman and it just seems like the one black woman in the film is in this servant role and i don't mean servant in like the way that we usually use servant but like mm-hmm. literally in service um in servitude like that type of role and she seems to not have her own personality or a mind of her own or her own thoughts it just seems like she's just very blank um and then we come to discover why she's that way um and it's just like but why is the one visual um woman we see cuz we cuz we know that his mother is also she's referenced in the film and she's a black woman mm-hmm. but the one black woman that we physically see in the film is this mindless servant woman and it's just like yo okay um yeah but then we find out who she really is right and she you know how she got to the house in the first place and we find out she was a, a queer woman right and it's like okay so right. we just kind of just gloss right over that we know right. that she is but we just skipped right over that just out of like a two second. Wasn't frame. that amazing? And it's just like, oh, okay. So that lets us know a little bit about um, a home girl, a white girl, girlfriend. I forgot a name. Right, Rose. Uh, Rose, thank you. Um, Rose, you know, okay, Rose. Now we really see what you're about, girl. So um, so you hit on black queer women, mm-hmm. and then you do this whole thing to her body, literally take over her body, and then manipulate her to have the white mind. Right. Of all people. (laughs) Right.
1: And so, yeah, I think you named something really important, which is the issue of sexuality in the film. This white woman is basically um, a black widow. Um, But then Georgina somehow got worked into that um, mix. And it does say something, I think, in our community about the way that we need to look out for queer black women. Because that really is—it's like a triply marginalized position in society. You right. have the blackness, you have the womanhood, and then you have the queerness. And I'm, um, I, uh, and I feel like there's not a lot of support for that particular right. community. And right. so it really is like she could really slip away with this white woman, and no one was even—nobody even had her back, right? Nobody. I'm, um, mm-hmm. and in her article, B. Willis, I'm. Um, Writes about when Georgina, that very popular scene, the no, 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 no scene. Um and she writes about, which I think is really telling, the way that Georgina is the only black character in the film who's able to wake up without an external trigger. Right. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that trigger at the end. Um, but she does have this bit of consciousness that it right. seems like the black males in the movie. Don't have. Right. And as Willis wrote, and I agree, I'm not sure that Peel necessarily did that intentionally. Um, but it is fascinating the way that Black women, even in this moment of complete vulnerability, she was right. completely taken advantage of. And yet she has this level of awareness. Right. Um, that it seems like her male counterparts don't have. Right. And so I think that's really important. Um, but then, like you said, there are these other black women in the film who really don't appear on screen. There's detective Latoya. Oh yeah. Um, who's the one who won't go looking for Chris. Right. So we need to talk about her, but then there's also mom. And that was really, really, really deep. Right. Um, the way that I'm, um, I don't know Rose's mother's name, but the way that she used that story in order to destroy Chris. Right? right. And so there's this kind of double thing where I'm kind of like, Chris, why are you sleeping on the black women like that? Why are you even out with this woman in the woods of Connecticut like this? But then at the same time, it's like, okay, so but what happened to Chris? Mm -hmm. You know, and how do black women play into what Chris is doing right now? Because it clearly his entire existence is based on, you know, his mother died And he didn't really do anything, which was really interesting to me, the way that as a black child, for some reason, they expected him to go save his mother, who he didn't know where she was. I mean, I guess at the same time, he could have called the police. When your mother just gone for an extra half hour and you're 11, you don't necessarily call the police. So that was interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, But then the way this story is used to destroy him. I thought that was like fascinating.
0: Yeah, like. Rose's mother, um, who I uh, whose name also escapes me, Mrs. Armitage. Oh, there you go. We'll <laughs> go with that. Um, Doctor, Miss, Mrs. Doctor, <laughs> Doctor, Mrs. Armitage, because they're both doctors. Right. Um, which is in a whole other level of uh, privilege for Rose. Um, we both your parents are doctors. How about that? Um, so Doctor, Mrs. Armitage. Um is using his his place of vulnerability so she picks up on a habit of his, which is his coping mechanism and we all have coping mechanisms whether they're healthy or unhealthy we all have coping mechanisms for things um and she uses that as a gateway to find out what his trauma is mm-hmm. and into his trauma she then finds a way to manipulate him into taking over his life um literally and putting him into the sunken place and he's getting into the sunken place by way of her tapping into his trauma. Mm-hmm. And um, which always raises, not always, but which raises the point of me asking, so what does that mean for mental health in the black community? Mm-hmm. How is it that, you know, white people or just people in general, what have you are manipulating us based on our own trauma. And we have racialized trauma in general as a community and people are capitalizing on our trauma um, every day. But for Chris specifically, his unhealed, suppressed trauma that he's using all kinds of different coping mechanisms, like by not dating a black woman is a coping strategy by, um, using, uh, his opportunity to go get cigarettes and start smoking is another way of his coping. And then even, um, being behind, being living behind a camera, right? So he doesn't live in front of a camera for people to see, but he literally lives his life behind a lens where he, quote unquote, can see what he wants to see. So it's just like that's which is another coping strategy when you literally become blind to everything else around you except for the one thing you want to see and you focus on that. So anyway, so Chris, you know, is a representation of so many other people who are manipulated and don't have the opportunity to heal from whatever traumas they're going through. And so I just think it's really fascinating that The white, an older white woman would use his pain to get to him, not his strength, not his, you know, his job, not what he does, what his interests are in school. So like how the brother and the father were trying to get to know him based on sports and based on athletic ability, she literally takes over his mind and gets in his heart and gets in his head to get to So she uses his head to get to his heart so he can open up. So, like, the gateway to us opening up is by some way us getting into our emotions. Mm -hmm. And so, it's like, what does that mean for, like, him to actually feel and to display emotion? Because he was fighting it. He didn't want to feel at all. Mm -hmm. He was like, "Mm mm-mm, mm-mm. Like, and just the tears falling. He was just trying not to go to that place. But she got him to go there. Um, And she got him in the middle of the night. Uh, when everyone else was sleeping mm-hmm. when no one else was ready or paying, well they would knew it was gonna happen the family but no one else he did not know he she completely blindsided and caught him off guard in the middle of the night while he was getting ready to go cope i.e have a cigarette and she just takes advantage of him in that moment to say oh let's have a seat come talk to me right you know like literally in the in the middle of the night in right. the most vulnerable hours in the most vulnerable way, right. she gets into his into his mind, into his heart, and then puts him into the sunken place.
1: And she takes advantage of this fact that he's never had a mother figure, right? right. Um, in the same way that, you know, for women, perhaps, who have never had a father figure, that makes them more susceptible to certain male actions that are happening right. in the world. And so she knows, she learned this small fact about him when they were having iced tea outside that Georgina was spilling all over the place. I'm... Um, so she learns this, and, and it's really interesting, now that I'm thinking about it, the moment when Georgina spills the tea is when she does hear <laughs> this spills story. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was trying to <laughs> warn him. Spills she was like, tea. stay woke. How about that? Brother, <laughs> she's coming wow. for you. Um, but <laughs> in that moment, it is after she's heard about mm. this invisible black woman, right? This black woman who she knows, okay, this is going to be the sticking point. Right. She has this thing about this invisible black woman. And that's going to be his downfall. And of course, so Georgina can hear that. I think Georgina was woke the whole time. Anyway, so Georgina can hear that. Right. And then the mother can also hear it. And it's just, which one of them is going to kind of win out because Mm. there were times when it was really clear that like Georgina was kind of like trying to, like trying to drop these. Right. Exactly. You know, unplugging his phone. Like, dude, you got to (laughs) go. Like, you got to go. Something crazy is happening. You got to go. Um and um and but anyway. like that
0: subtle moment when she was uplifting her wig, mm-hmm. like even and like it was just like the uh oh who's watching? Like it seems like she was in some type of consciousness. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm with you on that. Cause like right. it seemed like she was like unveiling and unmasking a moment where it's like Georgina's character might have been in the struggle between um coming in and out of the sunken place but still trying to maintain this role, even though she's like, I'm trying to get out of this. Right. But yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But anyway, it's just interesting to me the way that Mrs. Armitage, you know, definitely takes advantage of advantage. this this opening where he needs this maternal figure. Because you're right, she's real sneaky about it. You wanna come talk? And like, of course. He doesn't have any like and older very, woman very that age. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he was like. Yeah. I want to come talk. Right. Because like a lot of folks would have been like, you know what? It's the middle of the night. And I just why met you. Are you creepily sitting in your in your little office in the middle of the night watching me. Why?
0: And I just met you.
1: Right. <laughs> so I'm um, yeah. I mean, there's a lot going on in this movie. I think we have to go. But there is a lot going down in Get Out. Oh, yes. There's like so much more that we could talk about. There's the. The, the the random Asian character and the way that he makes himself complicit yes. in this racist experience. Uh, we didn't really say a lot about the critique of white feminism, so there's more to be said about that. Um, even the cotton in the ears, um, which mm-hmm. is something that the slaves would do so that they couldn't hear their masters, yep. right? Um, so there's so all even this the like, deer
0: as being a buck. the deer,
1: the buck, yep. right? So there's so much stuff that's going on in this movie, but we so do much. have to go because we ain't got more no more time. Um, So I'm just going to be petty for a second. I'm going to do the petty pearl this week. Um, So I was on a plane recently, and I'm going from Charlotte, North Carolina, to Charleston, South Carolina. It's a really short flight, but for some reason, there are not direct flights to Charleston. So you had to take this little short flight from Charlotte to Charleston. Okay, great. So I'm, I'm... Uh, You know, it's one of those ones you have to, like, you know, valet check your bag or whatever. So, I'm working on, you know, I'm concentrating on getting on the little tiny plane so I can valet check my bag, right? Yeah. And um, so, I see this black man. He was wearing a baseball cap. And I see this, like, white woman slightly behind him, right? And I said, at first, I was like, okay, they're together. And then I was like, oh, no, they're not together. I'm confused. I'm confused. Um, Because she kind of was, like, walking away from him, and I was kind of like, huh, that's weird. Mm -hmm. Um, But then with time, it became very clear they actually were together. And so they get on the flight, and they were in the very last row, and I was in the row ahead of them, but diagonal, so (laughs) I could watch, because I'm petty. And um, she had, like, a beautiful engagement set and a wedding ring. Okay, girl. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was just wearing his, you know, single band, of course mm-hmm. um, And uh, so she reaches over before the flight And puts her arms around him And lays her head on his shoulder And, you know, because I'm petty and I watch Get Out You know I wanted to take some flash photography And be like, just to
0: see what would happen Oh, you talking right, Jamie <laughs> You talking right What's
1: going to happen next? Um, But anyway, of course, I didn't take no pictures of those people I let them live and um, but yeah, just to kind of conclude, you know, I'm, um, I know this film in some ways is seen as a critique of interracial relationships. Um, and we could definitely probably say a lot about interrelation, interracial relationships. Um, but I think um, above all, it's like what all of us have to do is just to be aware. And I think that's part of what this movie is about, right. be aware of all of the stuff that's happening around you and it doesn't mean that there's someone who you shouldn't be in a relationship with on the basis of race or anything like that um, it just means that we have to be we have to be aware we have to start talking to each other and we have to when a marginalized person whether it's because of race whether it's because of gender because of sexuality um, because of disability um, when they tell you that something is happening mm-hmm. listen to them and Believe them and yeah. take that seriously. Um, I think it's kind of the the message of the movie because Chris kept being like something is wrong, and it was almost like he was never being taken seriously. Right. And I think um, that's something that we had to work on. We had to figure out ways to take each other and our traumas seriously. Um, but I might be taking some flash photography of some of y'all.
0: was produced by our producer Dan Warren keep up with our adventures on iTunes, SoundCloud or on our website Just2Pearls.com
1: you can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Just2Pearls
0: email us
1: at adventures at Just2Pearls.com we are a production of the 224 Ecospace and remember cultivate the pearl within
0: you